0: what is going on beautiful people welcome to the 817 podcast where we talk about trends in politics business and culture in the lovely city of fort worth today jimmy is not with us but we have our Guest in resident who always comes in the clutch, Mr. Tony Hernandez. What's up, man? What's happening, y'all? Good to be back. What's yeah. happening, EJ? Good, good. I'm excited to have you because uh, as our focus, me and you are both in education. So with school coming around the corner, Fort Worth ISD starts school August 16th. I know we're going to have a lot to talk about. I mean, just in the start, Telegram alone. There was five stories this week about things that are going on in education. So we're going to hold that as the big story. But what we want to start out and talk about today is just knowing that the future of Fort Worth starts today. I mean, we are rolling into decisions and investments to impact our future. City Council is coming back. The new City Council with their new mayor, August 3rd, 2021. The agenda is already set and they are making some moves and some decisions. Um, so what I really want to focus this short story on, uh, the first short stories, kind of breaking down for people who might be this your first pod if you're not a regular is we go through a couple short stories, have a big story, and then we share our wins and losses. So the first story I want to kind of hit is with City Council coming back, the first thing that's going to be on the agenda is how do we set the city's budget, which needs to be set September 21st. So there's gonna be a lot of discussions, there's gonna be open uh, opportunities for the community. And what you need to know about the budget is that the city's operating budget is about $1.8 billion a year. Now the budget is, the bulk of comes from property taxes and sales taxes, about 55% of property tax, and 23% of the budget comes from sales tax. Um, now, what's crazy about it is that police and fire takes up sixty two percent of the budget. Um, so, I know we're going to talk about that. But what's your overall seeing this? We're looking at the Fort Worth report um, p- uh, story, and we're going to have that in the description. But Tony, what is your thoughts as we get ready for a new city council and start planning for for the next budget?
1: Yeah, man. Well, first, I think it's important that we acknowledge like it's exciting that we're finally getting to the new city council because uh, for folks who have been listening to the podcast for a while, like we've had so many interviews, we've talked to so many people. So to see those that election come to fruition with the city council itself, Mm -hmm. that's exciting. Let's see what they can do. Let's get it done. In terms of the city budget, I guess part of me is just, you know, I'm new to this. I'm learning a lot about Fort Worth and and getting more interested in in the local scene. And I guess I didn't know, number one, just how big the city budget was. And number two, how much of it goes to police and fire. Um, The Fort Worth report, if you aren't looking at the article online, I highly recommend you check out that link in the description. Um, The graphic is beautiful, and it shows just how much of this is going to certain departments. And like you said, the police and fire departments, which... I understand why, um, you know, people are expensive, and those operations do a lot of services outside of maybe what we initially think of. Um, but if I'm being honest, my first takeaway of this article was that is a heck of a lot of money being spent on those two departments. And I'm not saying that there might need to be cuts there, but I'm wondering if there are strategic ways to reallocate some funds to some of these other small parts of the graph, like um, you know, municipal courts, libraries. Um, code, I think economic
0: (laughs) development is big. I mean, we talk about wanting to be a future forward city who is a frontier of the new world where more, um, where more employees are going to be able to work from home, work from wherever they want. We have to start competing as a place where people want to live and economic development is going to do that. And we're talking about economic development only gets 10%. Of what the police, you know, a little over 10%, 29 million Mm -hmm. to 273 million. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, like to me, economic development needs to uh, get more support um, in our budget.
1: I thought that I thought of you right when I saw that number on the graph. And I thought this has got to be where EJ as an entrepreneur is going to focus because I agree. Like, I'm looking at that number and I'm like, wow, like you have $1.8 billion. We talk about being a city of the future and a city of, you know, Pulling these knowledge-based workers and Fort Worth, y'all means all. It's not just about fake Fort Worth out in alliance. Um, and when we're only spending $29 million on economic development, I think it really shows where our priorities are. But what did we see in the, in the election? This is what people care about. It's I want safer school. I want safer communities. I want safer streets. We got to back the blue. We got to, you know, we support, support, support. And that worked for a lot of candidates. Yeah. So it's really unfortunate because I'm like you, everybody screams I want safer, 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 more, more, more. And then I look at this budget I'm like, okay, at what point is it enough? Yeah. At what point do we need to look at the budget and say, hey, I mean, we've we got to go yeah. elsewhere.
0: We've all been on we all been on the highway and some dude got pulled over and there's like three cops behind him. Like, do we need do we need three cop cars for, for one pullover? We've all been in that situation where you've seen an incident and you're like, man, it seems like we brought a little too many people to this event situation. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean my dad was in the military. So I felt the military was the same way when I would job shadow my dad and see everyone like work. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of people, but I understand employment is important. Police and fire is a a big employer for our country. So I also know there's difficulties in that as well. I mean, we're, the city is expected to grow between 10,000 and 20,000 new residents year over year, um, coming, you know, looking in this timeline. So, yeah, I think it's, it's important. And, uh, what I really want everyone to know is how you can get involved. Uh, you can attend a virtual town hall meeting in the coming months. Um, you can contact your city council members and you could speak during budget hearings, one at 7 p.m., August 24th, September 14th at city hall. And, um, to speak the budget hear- hearing, you're going to have to register by 5 p.m., the day of the hearing. Uh, yeah. So go ahead and check that out. This link will be in the bio. But what this also kind of leads to something that we have a little bit more say on because the budget's kind of what it is. I mean, the city has already made that decision uh for the most part. But I think what's really big is this upcoming uh 2022 proposed bond package. Um, so every four years, the city council kind of introduces uh, a bond and this one's a $500 million bond. And I feel like I have a lot to say here because to me, this is um, one, these bonds are requests to make future investments in our uh, city and in our county. The city has proposed $1.3 billion worth of projects, but they're going to have to whittle down to the $5 million worth of projects and decide. And they're going to have to decide, does the project address deficiencies? Is there an opportunity to partner with other Tarrant County, uh, Tarrant County uh, options to go to get the funding? Does the project align with the city's approved master plan and strategic goals? And does it improve existing infrastructure, public health and safety and economic development? Now, here's what's the kicker of this, all right? Um, most of the money, 64, 64% of it will go to streets, pedestrian mobility infrastructure, 70% uh, Rec, uh, Parks and recreation will get seventeen percent, and community center facilities will get six percent. If Jimmy was here, he would talk about how there's nothing around transportation and how we're not we don't have public tran. Uh, but we've already hit that. We've already hit that. To me, what's crazy about this? If you scroll down to the top ten most expensive projects, yep, one hundred and ten million dollars, which basically goes to kind of road development and like area development. I pit each one of these bullet points into uh, Google Maps and all of them are outside of the Fort Worth loop. All of them. Maybe one not because one is kind of on the fence, but the majority of these one hundred and ten million dollars. So over 20 percent of this bond will go to Fort Worth. That is actually not in the circle in of eight twenty Fort Worth.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I knew that, that this was something you were going to address when you sent me the article. Um, I looked at all of these names and I, you know, someone who's lived here my whole life, I know I was like, wait, Marine Creek Boulevard, Meacham Boulevard, Keller Road. I know where these places are and they're not anywhere near the city center. And I get that Fort Worth is sprawling and it's, you know, it's big and we have to, we do have to think about those areas. But when I'm thinking about a proposed bond package and so much of this is in, not Fort Worth. Sorry, I'm calling it fake Fort Worth. Y'all know how I feel about this, but I'm just looking at this and I'm like, this is absolutely ridiculous of how much of this is being spent elsewhere. Same thing with look up that where, you know, uh, item four on this list, Northwest patrol division facility. I can tell you that that is really far outside of the city center. I think that these things are going to appease certain voters, um, who were not, who are not thinking about these kinds of things. Um, I'm really disappointed with the number of things on this list that seem to fall out of uh, the way you describe it, the loop of the city. It's it's pretty infuriating.
0: Yeah. And, and last week I said that um, Keller was horizontal to Plano. I was wrong there. It's horizontal to Richardson, which is still, yeah you know, a suburb of Dallas. Hazlitt is horizontal to Plano. And so these areas are supporting there. And that's what's crazy about like Fort Worth is is designing, um, our, our city limits are crazy, right? Like Haltom City is not um, in our, when you type Fort Worth City into Google, Haltom City, Richland Hills are not in what they see as Fort Worth. right? And so it's just to me, like what's infuriating to me and, and, and what I would say is like, as someone who lives on the East side, who has to travel to the West side often, you know, is that it is a ghost town over here. We are in the loop close to the city and there is, there is, there is silence. You know, I live off of Oakland exit and the difference, you know, Oakland and Hewlin are the same distance from downtown. And from Hewlin, you got, you first, you got obviously the central market, but then you go, uh, you got this, the university, you got Montgomery, you got TCU. I mean, you got the zoo, um, you got, you know, the, the, papadoes like that all feels like a city and then once you get over here it is just road it's just land and just Mm -hmm. nothing and so to me what's frustrating is how we're talking about developing look at this the first one i don't know if this is i don't know if uh jennifer pit this in order by the most expensive but crown well marine creek boulevard boat club road like boat club road I ain't a part of no boat club. I don't
1: have a boat, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was left out of my expenses this year, yeah. the personal budget.
0: Yeah. So it's just like we have a, 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 a very strong core, safe, quaint east side that we are completely missing uh, because we want to fund the color of, of the world. I don't know. I, I I think this is something we definitely need to get involved in. And a little ways to get involved is um, you can go to one of the open houses this month. Um, two of them. Uh, well, one of them's already passed, but you have one 6 p.m. Thursday, August 5th at Dunbar High School. Uh, you have August 12th, August 14th and August 19th uh definitely if you have comments or things i'm also going to share that into the notes as well this list uh but definitely share your vision of where we should be if we're going to have a bond of 500 million dollars where we should be funding it
1: yeah and before we get off the bond before we completely kick it to the curb you know i do want to acknowledge that i i, I read the whole article stop six hub community a lot of the intersections on like yep. jacksboro highway camp Bowie, brian irving like other places there's a Pieces of Lancaster where they're talking about like fixing the corridors uh, closer to my neighborhood, McCartan, I-20. I do see there are still things in the bond that are very much focused on the center of the city, um, closer, closer to downtown, all of that. However, to your point of when you come to the east side, when you come to certain neighborhoods in Fort Worth, you just don't hear any construction. You don't see any growth. You don't see any development. And then you look at this and you're like, wait a second. So in these overdeveloped areas, we're going to just continue pouring the dollars, and in the areas that we have historically not served, we're just going to continue to wait for it, not serve them. Yeah. So I, I, I too was pretty disappointed with that, um, but also a, a willing to look at this objectively and say there yeah. are some other wins here. But like, but the, the overarching hundred and ten million dollar projects for Boat Club Road, come on, Gal, we got to yeah. do better.
0: And, and, and to me, the, the problem, I mean, this is also the issue with like cops and fi- like, well, f- fire, I'll leave out of it, but is it's reactionary. It's, it's reactionary and it's, um, it's not proactive. And a lot of the things that they're investing in East side are, I think like, it's like band-aids, like right. Community c- centers, libraries, but they're not trying to make robust economic engines in those areas. Like the corridor thing there, Lancaster, we have this disgusting, you know, I live around Lancaster. They have this disgusting, like black barrier and it's just like wire and rope. And it looks awful that to like block from people from walking across the street because, you know, they just walk across, people just walk across the street, but it's disgusting. So it's like also what's going to be the difference. I wonder what the quality of what the, of the investments are going to look like. You know, four years later in those areas. And and to me, um, that's that's just like the frustrating part is, is how do you how do you build the other sides of neighborhoods as places people see it? Wow, these are diverse and safe and um, proud Fort Worthian communities that also we need to invest in because people want to live here.
1: Yeah. For those of us who it doesn't impact directly. Right. No matter where you live in the city, I think it's important that we think about people in the city who aren't maybe uh, have the the privilege and the the opportunity to go and speak out for things for themselves. It's like, hey, like someone else has got to step up and, and say something. So and I think, you know, kudos to you and Jimmy all the time, man. I think the 817 podcast is helping people do that.
0: Our third short story is about the rent relief and how Tarrant County, Fort Worth, and Arlington were tasked to distribute rental assistance money across the county. Um, they have We have received $63.9 million in the first package and $45.9 million in the second package. As of June 30th, we have allocated only $4.4 million in relief to more than 800 households. More than 30,000 households owe about $96 in back rent in Tarrant County, according to the latest U.S. Census Household Pulse survey data. Now, now that we're in August and people can press renters on on that back due rent, I wonder what we're going to see happen in Tarrant County. And I think this is a story to just track and see what it does locally. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Hey, this is, this is bad just on Tarrant County. This is happening nationally. Our, our data on similar being able to release, uh, funds is happening nationally. What I do think what's crazy is that our city officials believe that we have done enough.
1: Yeah, looking at comments from uh, Mayor Parker and then just, just reading the article. I mean, I, I this sentence is something that I've, I'm telling you, EJ, I'm reading it over and over again because when I'm seeing that Tarrant County, Fort Worth, and Arlington, the three lo- localities tasked with distributing rental assistance money across the country, received $63.9 million in the first package, 44, $45.9 million in the second passage. As of June 30th, the three localities had allocated about $4.4 million in relief. Yep. How do you have over a hundred million dollars worth of relief money and you've distributed four of them? Uh, That's a complete failure by the federal government for making it the steps that they're taking, the counties for doing what they are. And like, I know it's easy to criticize from the outside looking in, but at the end of the day, I, I mean, I don't get it. $100 $100 million, we have people who are being evicted, $4.4 4 million has been distributed. So whoever, if you are someone with some authority and have some uh, uh, hands on this thing directly, we got to figure out a better system to get people the help that they need because this is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah,
0: they're, they're talking about how um, the application is is robust. They're talking about how it might even take 60 day to get your application due. And the challenge there is your rent's due every 30 th- days. So you have to hope you have a landlord who's patient enough to like help, you know, to be like, oh yeah, I'll just wait for your application to get through. So I, I think, you know, this is probably the always tough thing of government, how we don't make things uh, quicker and faster uh, and efficient. Um, but I also thought what's crazy here is that Fort Worth um, was fourth of most eviction filings out of thirty-one uh, cities that were mm-hmm. tracked, um, and so and a lot of these uh, apartment complexes or property managers are are from out of out of the state. I mean, they're from California, um, pushing people to do. the Pushing people out of their homes, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what this looks like. But I just really wanted us to hit it that hey, we're here, and I wonder how how do those funds work. Does what do we do with all those funds? Do do we lose them if we don't use it, or does it? Does it just something we have later to make more uh, innovative solutions or, or, or be more thoughtful about it? And, I have no and, idea. And,
1: and hopefully something that will last a little bit more long term, right? Like I think we're still talking about band aids on bullet wounds. I, for those who are maybe in the position of being evicted right now, I think one of the things that it's easy to forget is that this is still really a place of, privilege of like, do you have the savings? Do you have a, a, a fallback? Do you have any assets that can help you get through this rough time? Do you have the skills to go and get a more competitive job? Does Fort Worth have that competitive job to offer you? Like that isn't working, um, in the, you know, working service industry, which is struggling right now. And as COVID picks up is starting to decline again. I think it's, really disheartening that you know for the folks who are having to sit down apply think through this probably going to have to take several phone calls emails work on all these applications or also people who are like hey i got to work 60 hours a week to make ends meet and i'm not making ends meet and you've got 96 million dollars plus lying around somewhere and i don't have access to it so again to your points of efficiency have to find a more efficient system. And then hopefully whatever money that isn't used for this uh, for this direct cause right now, we're finding longer term solutions for rental assistance in Tarrant County, Arlington and Fort Worth.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. We're 15 minutes into this pod and we actually even haven't talked about the increase in COVID cases. We're talking about a 500% increase in COVID-19 hospitalizations in Tarrant County the past two months. Uh, that is just crazy. And I think what's also um, challenging is what we're going to get into is how this is impacting schools. This could impact people who are, are wanting to get a job. We're weird in, a, in an interesting dynamic. We're in a place where, um, we're having like more jobs, um, th- that we've ever had available. Uh, in a very long time, we're having more people quit their job. Um, there's just this, this massive dynamic of what does, I think COVID has made p- people take a step back and think like, what, are they wanting out of their lives? Mm -hmm. And then it's also pressing, um, and employers. And the crazy thing is like government funds are, you know, everyone's blaming government funds for this issue, but government funds are expiring. And I could see that people are hoping that September we solve these problems, but with COVID, um, and the Delta and, what we know with governor Abbott and him recently saying that mass mandates by governments or cities are not going to happen or are not, we're not allowing um, that we're going to allow this to be a personal decision. Um, I don't know. What are what are your thoughts of the fall? And I thought we would be on the, in the green and moving past this at this, at this point of time. And it just doesn't seem like that's happening.
1: Yeah. um, A lot of really interesting points here. On a personal note, I am really upset by where we're going. And, you know, and just, you know, I, you know, selfishly, I'll speak from a selfish perspective of like, man, I was looking to get back out there, ready to hit a concert, ready to do all these things. Um, but I got a new baby at home who doesn't have these vaccines, doesn't have these antibodies. And now I'm, I'm, Legitimately concerned about virus transmission. I'm sending teachers into schools, ne- you know, next year where they all they can do is recommend masks, but they're not going to be able to require them. They're going to have to police that. Schools aren't able to um, send students on virtual learning without paying for it out of their own district funds. Which, if you weren't thinking about that at least 12 months ago, you're out of the loop on it. I am really concerned that we are taking we've taken a really bad turn. And the point that Governor Abbott is trying to make with personal responsibility, people were not being personally responsible at the height of the pandemic when we know so, when we knew so little about this. And now we're asking them to take even more responsibility when at this point we know more, but they are taking less they are taking fewer steps to protect themselves personally, like wait for it, get vaccinated. Yeah. So I am really disheartened by what we're seeing. Um, but again, just like any issue. If it doesn't impact me directly and immediately, why should I care? You and I have talked about this, right? Like, God forbid, either one of us test positive and we're strongly symptomatic, but as someone who's vaccinated, as someone who's young and healthy, I'm not necessarily worried about it for myself. And I get that. I think that the narrative about, oh, it's a fear and it's fear-mongering and we all need to mask up because it's like, we're terrified of it. It's like, no, y'all, it's just personal responsibility. I'm not really concerned about myself nearly as much as I am about transmitting this to someone who doesn't have, uh, who isn't vaccinated or is vaccinated, but still is susceptible to this virus. It's not okay, and so I'm really tired of hearing the BS about personal responsibility from Governor Abbott. Uh, he's a coward. He's a fake. He is not going to be up. He is not going to be able to win this next election because he has just pissed on so many uh, uh, Texans. Uh, I'm really, I'm really tired of listening to things come out of his office, and I'm really sick of him doubling down on things that just don't make any sense. With data or scientific evidence, and don't get me started on Ted Cruz's dumbass either.
0: <laughs> Here we go. I mean, one, I be, I mean, it'd be interesting if Abbott doesn't win again. But I mean, I think a, you know, a quick win is is one. I mean, like, hopefully it doesn't. I mean, I think a quick win was like the non endorse. Um, you know uh, Susan Wright against Jake Elsey Jake Elsey won which i think that's right. a good like so you know maybe people are realizing like the 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 trump way is is off but then again there's people who are only taking the vaccine if we call it the trump vaccine oh my gosh you know yeah. and that's happening too so yeah locally looking at a NBC you know channel 5 kind of article uh the 7 day rolling average of new cases in each of north Texas, four largest counties has at least quadrupled in the last four weeks. Dallas County went up from seven day average of 132 on July 2nd to 669 on Friday of last week. Tarrant County went from 81 to 543. Uh, Denton County from 31 to 131 and Collin County from 44 to 248. And we, we also are realizing how as vaccinated people, we're getting the Delta. We're learning about stories of people who are vaccinated, hanging out with other vaccinated people, getting the Delta. And so let's move to the big story and talk about how are you seeing it? And, and as we do that, it'd be good to give context on like your role and responsibility in education for people to know how we're framing our knowledge and our experience around education. Uh, but how are you seeing as August 16th, Fort Worth ISD is starting school How are you seeing this impacting um, launch and how schools are talking about getting ready for the new school year?
1: Yeah, um, this is a huge uh, issue right now. A background about me. So I uh, was a high school teacher for a few years before uh, switching over to the nonprofit side in education. I work for an educator preparation program uh, where a residency model program what we do is we recruit teachers from all over the country. We bring them here to DFW and we work on their training by spending a year in the residency model. Then they get into their first year of teaching. They're earning a master's degree while they're doing all of this. They're getting coached during all of this. They're taking courses on how to be a better teacher during all of this. Um, It's a pretty extensive program, but to, to all of those ends, we have to think not only about the students that we're serving. I have to think about a lot of young majority of our folks are anywhere between the 23, 24 age fresh out of college. Um, this is their first professional gig. We are having to spend a lot of time mitigating risks and talking them through like, Hey, we cannot control what the districts are doing. Like there's only a level of protection that we can offer. So we have, and, and just to be frank here, you know, and and so much of the podcast is dedicated about bringing people to the great uh, Area, the Dallas-Fort Worth area in the great city of Fort Worth. Let me tell you, we have had people quit and say, hey, I cannot come to that. I cannot come to your region because I'm worried about your how y'all don't protect people from COVID. I'm not comfortable working on a campus that can't have mask mandates. I am not comfortable working in a community with vaccination rates as low as yours. That's not, that, that's facts. Like that's actually happening. And people who are like, well, surely this is going to turn around. Surely schools or or the state or someone is going to turn around and finally say, hey, this is nonsense. Put the masks on, get vaccinated, let's work on those social distance uh, protocols and let's protect our teachers and our students. It's not happening and the very real result of it is we're losing young talent to come to the Dallas-Fort with Metroplex and more importantly, we're losing teachers for students who need them this year more than ever because we are not doing basic things that we know are backed by science and data to protect them Uh, while they go to work so it's really having a direct impact on my line of work but that means it's having a direct impact on fort worth schools dallas schools and all over the country teachers are having to make decisions to protect themselves uh when state governments make you know need to have some bravado stand in front of a microphone and say we're not doing that here it's really disheartening and it is like i said very much directly impacting me on a day-to-day basis
0: now now how, I, cause I know a lot of the other challenge here is like Fort Worth ISD is not offering a virtual, mm-hmm. a digital program this year. So, yeah. And, and so that means if you're a, if you're a parent who's frustrated with, um, you know, govern Abbott's making it hard for districts to require masks and then now you can't feel comfortable that the mask will stay on or masks will be in force – you may feel uncomfortable sending your kid in because kids under 12 aren't going to get a vaccine until later in the year. Um, So what is, what is that thinking around? Um, because in short, what you in short, what you do is you supply teachers to districts who need more teachers. And, and right now that's definitely huge as as class sizes are about to double. Yeah. And people are coming back to school, you know, yeah. And full.
1: And I think it's important to point out too that, you know, so last year, go back to 2020, when the kind of the world was still kind of shut down, we saw an uptick, right? So our our educator preparation program, we had more teachers sign up and 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 commit and actually show up than we ever have. And that's because there were limited opportunities that we they knew we were gonna be in a completely virtual environment. There was advantages to that. We saw more teachers sign up for this for the profession than ever, at least in our program, right? Well, this year, you know, you fast forward 12 months and it changes. COVID is back. Delta variant is is rearing its ugly head. And what we're seeing instead of and unlike last year, where we had more people sign and commit, this year we're having way more people turn in their offers. Hey, no, I can't do it. I'm not going back to on campus. I'm not comfortable with that yet. If you look at the Sunday, uh, if you're looking at the Sunday Star Telegram, the article from Silas Allen that was on the cover, Mm -hmm. he talked about to your point, EJ, the finances of these schools you know schools are based are paid based on attendance right so you have to have bodies in in the building in order for you to make money well only round rock and austin those were some of the isds that were mentioned in the article directly budgeted for virtual learning this year a lot of other districts didn't and i know that that's probably because a you know we were all very hopeful about the vaccine and 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 all of those things but also there wasn't a lot of time to make that decision. So now, it's almost like we're threatening campuses with, hey, if you wanna offer virtual, you do that, but you gotta figure out a way to pay for it on your own. And again, that sounds really easy for legislators and lawmakers to make that decision, but who who it completely ignores are families, students, teachers, who virtual not only is a safer option for them, but in some cases might actually be the best option for them. I'm fully aware of COVID slide. I'm aware that a lot of students need to be in a building and they're more familiar with that learning style. And I get that. And I think that should definitely be the majority of what we're doing this year. I see it, but to not have any virtual option, not only is a mistake from a health perspective, I think it really fails to look at the future of education in America as this could be the model moving forward. And instead of We've already done it. We have a year of experience doing it, and instead of capitalizing on that and offering it to a modest number—ten percent, fifteen percent of your students in the district—instead of offering it to that many, we're just saying, "Nope, it's offline." That is an incredible miss all over the country. Um, I'm not. I'm not pointing fingers at Fort Worth ISD. It's you know, it's really above them at this point. But to not have any sort of virtual option, again, from a safety, comfort, and to better serve the communities that you are in. What a giant miss. Um, And we're losing teachers. We're losing talent in the DFW Metroplex because of stupid mandates from Governor Abbott.
0: By the end of last year, about 48% of students in the district were still in remote learning. And um, yeah, I think there's, like you said, um, the steepest learning loss was in math with about 16% more students failing in 2021 than in 2019. Fort Worth pre-K programs were down 38% in 2020 compared to 2019-2020. Um, so a lot of ramifications that happen um, from COVID and, and people being stuck at home. I wanted to actually hit the school district is, is getting more than $260 million over three years through the Elementary and Secondary School Emergency Relief Fund, a federal program Intended to address the impact COVID-19 has had on our nation and in and, 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 and giving this directly to school districts locally. Um, this is one of the largest blocks of funding in the district has our, Fort Worth has ever seen. And um, it's probably going to be like the most we've ever seen in our lifetime. It's once in a generation investment into the future uh, of our schools and of our kids. So what's crazy to me, the fact that we shut down the innovation of virtual Um, when this is our lifetime to double down on what a future school should look like Mm -hmm. is frustrating, but I also want to kind of go to, um, a lot of the funds they say is to add more teachers, give more research resources to teachers And use this funds to to help teachers. What do you know about how school districts are spending this additional funds? Maybe you don't have any experience directly in Fort Worth ISD, but um, a lot of you know the relief funds here is about hiring more teachers, um, staff is a priority, getting uh, full time positions and reducing class sizes. Um, What is kind of your your take on what you know about how people are spending their relief funds?
1: Yeah. So um, one of the things, and especially thinking about talent pipelines is, you know, what have we talked about for years in this country? Teachers are historically underpaid and undervalued, right? This is an opportunity in one way to right that wrong is we can now incentivize districts to hire, not just hire teachers and just find people, you know, who are, you know, ready to start and like, oh, I need a job. I guess I'll go do this. No, we're talking about Um, investing in teachers who come from uh, quality vetted programs. So TEA actually has a has a list of vetted residency programs, for example, where they can it's an incentive of like, hey, here are 15 or 16 programs that meet all of these standards, right? Their admissions criteria is X. They train teachers longer. They offer mentoring. they, They stick with districts for three years. They have a lot of parameters that they have to meet. What those funds are allowing them to do is saying, hey, we are encouraging you to go invest in a program that historically has probably been more expensive than your district wanted to pay for. But the training and the outcomes are better. So that is one way that you know I'm seeing that in the organization that I am with. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see that in Fort Worth ISD. In addition, though, and I don't know about this as much. I wonder if there are opportunities to use this for like teacher uh, excellence initiatives. So I know that's coming to Fort Worth ISD. Dallas is already using it. Um, I don't know that they will be able to use funds like that for something, um, funds from the federal government for something like that. Um, but at the end of the day, you gotta reward talent. You gotta reward people for staying in the room. And unfortunately, this year, you gotta reward them for putting their lives on the line with the Delta variant, uh, potentially being, you know, run through schools. Um, so, yeah, that, that is one way that I know that funds are being used is to attract more talent more effectively and take some of the the pressure off of districts to pay for programs that historically they might have been like, well, that's a nice to have, not a need to have. Well, now you can have it. You have tons of money to invest in it. So go get that top tier talent.
0: You know, just hearing you kind of jam too. It's, it's funny how like Baylor, Scott and White mandates vaccines, like health professionals and health institutions mm-hmm. are mandating vaccines, but- we can't mandate mask for our school district. Like that seems very like we should, we should be able to do that. And, 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 and Governor Abbott has to press down. Like I know his whole thing is he doesn't be, want to be seen as someone who's telling people to do it because that's going to impact his votes or whatever, mm-hmm. but he could at least say, Hey, I'm going to allow local districts and communities to decide what's yeah. best.
1: I really, again, I, I'm right there with you, man. I really think that that was the big miss here. Where, it, Listen, Texas is giant. It is a huge state. And what is right for one county may not be right for another one, right? Like, heck, you and I have been on multiple road trips out to Big Bend and Canyon and all these places. Oh, we need to
0: go back. I,
1: man, sign me up. But we know one of those counties is very different than Tarrant like or, or Dallas County or Harris County or Behar County. So I think – I understand his hesitation and his party line rule of like, we, we need to take a step back and I'm not going to mandate it to everybody, but to take that ability at away from county officials who are closer to the work, that is like a superintendent making a decision for what should be taught without having taught for years and then telling teachers what should be going on in their classrooms. It doesn't work that way. The people closest to the work should be the people responsible for making the decision. So. From that analogy of education, I, I I really see a big miss on Governor Abbott here. Um, and again, I, I just keep coming back to the point of like, on a daily basis, I legitimately am hearing from teachers, faculty, and staff who are saying, hey, I'm worried about this. What are we gonna do about this? What can we do? And all I can say is, just like the governor said, you have to practice personal responsibility. Mask up, and if you're genuinely concerned that you're you're going, mask up, get vaccinated. And if you're genuinely concerned that this is not going to be a safe work environment for you, unfortunately you may need to do something else for a year. And that pains me to say, because these are people who really want to be there, really want to do right by kids. um, But they also need to protect themselves.
0: Yeah. Well, kind of these funds are for one time use and in after three years. Um, If the kind of kicker here, what's what's interesting though, you talk about paying up the teachers. The problem is, is like this funds are only three years available. And districts would need to enroll. The district would need to enroll nine thousand to twelve thousand additional students to maintain the hundreds of teachers and staff hired by the funds. Um, what? Yeah. Is, how? How do you see people looking at? I mean, granted, we just talked about earlier in the pod how we're looking at ten to twenty thousand people coming to Fort Worth, so the opportunity of enrollment increases there. What is kind of your take on on the long term sustainability of? investing in and in teachers
1: yeah so again I'll, I'll talk specifically about like teacher pipelines right so like a, a program like mine which does cost a little bit more because it is a longer training program it's a little bit more um uh, all in like all in all inclusive i guess you could say um there's a cost associated with investing in that that top talent and that and those longer recruitment programs what the money is designed to do, and it lasts for three years, is they're essentially saying, like, hey, we'll get you started, but we're pointing the finger at you districts to find a way to make this financially sustainable ongoing. And if one of those things is going to be enrollment, then districts got to get creative on how they're going gr- to get enrollment. But also, I think it's up to state uh, legislatures and and for TEA to start thinking about, well, how do we increase enrollment with virtual options, hybrid options, Um those STEM academies that we're seeing, like how do we get creative about pulling people back into the school district um, and getting them excited to be a, a part of Fort Worth ISD? So part of it is that, and then yeah, the other part goes back to things that we talked about way earlier, economic development. If you have a strong economy, if you have a city that people wanna live in, if they, if we're bringing kids in here and they see Fort Worth ISD as an innovative Uh, a results-driven district that can get things done for students and offer parents and families their best opportunity to get a quality education, this thing is going to take care of itself. If we continue to do the things that we've always done, brick and mortar is the only way, draw from the same pipelines of teachers, offer the same kinds of programs, and we don't innovate and change based on what we learned in 2019, 2020, and this year, then we'll just always get the same results. And for some districts, that's gonna be just fine. But just like so many other things in education, they're going to become extinct, they're going to see enrollment drop, and they're going to have a really hard time keeping up with pods, homeschooling, charter networks, all of these other things that are competing with public schools. So I don't want that to happen. I think Fort Worth ISC has a really good opportunity here to get innovative. Um, one miss this year, I think from them and TEA was not allowing that virtual hybrid option. One win I could see for them is investing in top tier talent, bringing people in yeah. from across the country who want to live and work here and stay here for a long time because of incentives like what's being offered right now.
0: Yeah. Well, August 16th school is back and um, really hoping that kids can have a, norm- a normal experience and that we can, hone Delta in and uh, help our teachers and remain helpful. Tony, thank you for your insight, expertise in that area. I know you're doing a lot of work, pitting a lot of teachers in, in schools across DFW. Let's go ahead and move to wins and losses. Um, you want to start with your loss?
1: Not to beat a dead horse, but the uh, the loss here is COVID. Um, I, 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 there's not much else to say here. The, the loss is Delta variant. The loss is how we're handling it in Texas and Tarrant County. <laughs> Um, mask up, get vaccinated folks who listen to this podcast. I'm sure I've already are doing those things, but, um, take care of yourselves. COVID is a, is a big L for me right now.
0: Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, we, we've been there, done that, bought that t-shirt. This is probably that, uh, the pod who does it right. Um, if you're still on the pod, much love and, um, really looking forward to continue to get great feedback from you guys. Always. My L is that, um, the oversight committee and um, how officials disagree on the police oversight board. So a little context and a task force was inspired uh, by um, an incident that happened to a family um, when there's, when they called in uh, because their, their son got assaulted in their neighborhood and they, the daughters were arrested. Uh, the two teenagers were, were arrested in um, the area. And so this kind of formed our race culture task force and in Fort Worth. And it's been a thing that's been going on since 2018. And we've been recommending an oversight committee, uh, to, and, 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 and we even hired someone, um, who to play as the first police monitor. Her name is Kim Neal, but city council are now going to start having conversations around, um, should we have an oversight community, um, com, uh, Task force, and are they able to subpoena and um, indict officers for bad behavior? And so I think, obviously, where I think the loss is here is just one how crazy um, the POA is. Basically, officers who are backed by that are saying, no, we shouldn't. They don't want this. 80% of police officers are saying this won't make a difference. Chief Noakes saying, hey, this won't make a difference, but I'll abide by it. And I just think the lost here is just to me, it's um, how a lot of like criminal justice and equity and, 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 and understanding it. It's just I feel like so much vanity and no one actually wants to do it. But there's also to me what's 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 annoying about it is just how much power. Um, the police force has. I mean, you, we talked about earlier um, how much money they get. But then also, it's just like, imagine the teacher association being able to publicly fund and back people and, and, and to be able to do that uh, so publicly and so powerfully without any consequences. Like the POA sends out flyers of who they endorse. Like, I just feel like as a city institution, you should have to stay... Um, neutral on these things. And, um, what you're seeing is that all this work that we've put in to the task force is being challenged. And I don't know where the city council is going to lie. Obviously, um, Carrie Moon is, is against kind of the subpoena piece. Chris Nettles is for it. It's going to be interesting to see where our party lies because a lot of them got POA money. Uh, where is Flores and Givens going to participate? So my loss is just like, how we try to do stuff to improve uh, situations, but then somehow not only does most of our budget goes to police, they also are able to endorse back and 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 press on people to make decisions where they don't want the accountability from the people, even though the people want it.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, reading that article, I think it is kind of disheartening that it felt a little a little dejected, right? Like it felt just kind of like, Oh, we're going to give this the old college try, but none of us believe that this is actually going to work. I'm like, chief, like, <laughs> like let's, let's at least pretend to be like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to give it, we're, we're going to try hard on this. We're excited about it where we want the community to feel like we either heard and listened to, but then I saw, you know, in the numbers in there about how many people responded to some of these surveys. And it is disheartening, um, to put a point on what you're saying. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of authority. It seems like this is something that would overall be good. Um, but like you said, there's a lot of money at stake for a lot of different people. So I think we, I think we know where this is heading. Yeah, yeah. That reading that article, I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So I was an English teacher. I know what foreshadowing is. <laughs> um, it sounds like this, we, this is going nowhere.
0: Yeah. Well, let's go to our our wins. I know we have some good wins. What's uh, what's your win,
1: man? Shout out to the boy, Leon Bridges, because my win is going to be, I got my Gold Digger Sound album and uh, just love the music, man. Love love what what he's doing for Fort Worth. I know that's not about news or anything else like that, but I feel like it's about Fort Worth culture. Absolutely. Um, he had a huge write-up in, uh, I think it was Texas Monthly yeah, Magazine. it was awesome. Which was really good. Um, highly recommend y'all check that out. He's got a great story, um, but another great album. Really enjoying it. Um, good job, Leon Bridges.
0: Fort yeah. own. Yeah, that's I mean, a great track number three. It's just I mean, album number three. It just you just keep coming out with unique, different spins on your talent. Super dope. Definitely rec uh yeah, definitely pumped for the for the King of Fort Worth, Mr. Leon Bridges. Now, um my win is um the idea that mate that the Fort Worth Street, White Settlement Road Woo-hoo. Um could have a new name and that Maddie Parker and other city council people are interested in how we can change the white settlement road bridge into downtown how can we change that name uh, and what should we change it to um, you know is is something that's happening
1: yeah
0: um, it's going to be interesting how that looks but I just think that's a win that we're talk finally having legit conversations about uh, changing the name
1: it is an absolute win I I was actually smiling, you know, holding, I was, I was doing a feeding at that time with my newborn. So it's like three in the morning and I'm reading this article and I was like, yes, yes, this is excellent. I had a huge smile on my face. It's time for this. Uh, good job, Maddie Parker. I feel like this is kind of, I don't, I'm not going to say it's out of character, but it's like, she's I didn't been think doing,
0: she's been doing, the, I feel like a lot of things like she's definitely putting in the effort. I think she's definitely putting in the effort to be a mayor of everyone
1: that's right even though we looked at that election map we know where the the majority of her votes came for and big shout out here i think this is something that it's like i think she knows this is going to piss off some people because we know how much people love statues of losers and uh (laughs) relics of not even history but just like worst parts of our history to be like what's
0: the the other road we got to talk about too oh my
1: gosh your your favorite confederate Confederate parkway Parkway. which takes you to the uh, fort worth nature preserve so i hope this is the start of many of those conversations good job maddie parker let's make it happen don't let this just be a dream that dies let's make it happen and change white settlement road in fort worth to something awesome and let's celebrate another part of this city's great and storied history Boom. Panther Parkway. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> does that does that exist yet? I don't think, I think it so. does, and that's yeah. low-hanging fruit.
0: <laughs> um. Well, hey, guys, I know what's weird about this. Um, We gave a ton at you this week. I think about last week, we basically only talked about a soccer complex. Today, we hit a ton, and I know you could feel overwhelmed, maybe even all over the place. I mean, we hit the budget, we hit the 2022 bond, we talked about city council getting started. Uh, we talked about COVID cases. We talked about evictions. We even talked about schools and what we can expect school to look like. Um, I know it's been a ton, but if you're here to the end and if you're a member of the 817 fam, uh, we appreciate you. Uh, and we look forward to continue to li- deliver Weekly news to you based off of the information that's going around and the the knowledge that we're receiving from star telegram the fort worth report fort worth magazine fort worth business press we consume it all and our goal is we spend 10 hours a week reading the news finding the stories and then curating a 45 minute show for you so that you can get that knowledge easily on your on your car ride uh, walking your dog doing the laundry and I hope you've enjoyed it and if you have tell a friend um, Tell them to subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment. And we genuinely enjoy doing this as we're this month. August thirtieth will be a year of the eight one seven podcast.
1: Yeah, congratulations, man! It's been a—I've really enjoyed listening. Uh, I appreciate when Jimmy allows me to fill in for him. To all of EJ's points, when Jimmy's here, this thing is this thing is as smooth as butter. Uh, EJ and Jimmy have a great rapport. They have great information. Uh, I appreciate being a guest, but if if this did feel over all over the place, my apologies. I know some of that can be on a guest podcaster, but one year of the eight one seven podcast. It's been, uh, it's influenced my life. It's changed the way that I think about the city of Fort Worth and being involved in local politics. I've gotten to meet some great people uh, next to EJ um, that I wouldn't have otherwise engaged with. So, if you're new here, stick around, and if you've been a uh, if you've been a repeat listener, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it, EJ. Appreciate you and Jimmy doing this. Uh, Eight one seven, man.
0: We out.